your Bibles tonight, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You probably are like this, but especially men, or sometimes we figure if one will do something okay, why two will do it much better. And if you get three or four, why you're better still. Uh, sometimes we do that with, with aspirin. Sometimes we find out that we do that with cold medicine. That's not a really a good idea. Uh, you turn kind of bonkers when you do that. So don't don't do that. Uh, but you know, but we're skeptical. Uh, if you're, you were sick and your doctor said just take this one pill, we'd be skeptical. Yeah, right, doc. That one pill ain't going to do me no good because we think we've got to have lots. Uh, but uh, what we're going to see tonight is that Jesus is all that it takes, and there's only one. Uh, and uh, Jesus is exclusive when it comes uh, to salvation. And so the Apostle Paul, remember, has written to the church at Corinth, uh, correcting some, some problems and talking a lot about uh, unity within the church, how the church is supposed to function, uh, and uh, tonight we'll see that, uh, and uh, last week uh, in chapter 11, he began to talk about, and he'll talk for the remainder of the letter about matters that relate to unity in worship. Uh, we talked last week about how our worship matters and how uh, that worship drives us to, uh, you know, together. Uh, and he continues to carry that point home. And so read with me verses 1 uh, through 11 uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so Paul is reminding us that, hey, listen, one is a pretty good thing. We are saved by uh, one person, that person being Jesus Christ, we're sa- you know, and we're one church. And so he's going to make that point here. Uh, and he goes on to illustrate it with an object lesson. It's one of Paul's favorite object lessons, uh, the human body. Uh, we have a lot of parts in our body. 
uh, and they all work together. But guess what? Even though we have lots of parts in our body, you just got one. Now, some bodies are a little bit bigger than others. Some are a little prettier than others. But we all just have one body. And so we better take care of it. Uh, And so uh, he uses that wonderful uh, illustration uh, and then uh, reminds us that, hey, every part of our body is affected by every other part of our body. When uh, your back hurts, you don't feel, you know, it hurts everywhere. If you have a toothache, your teeth are a relatively small part of your body. But when you get a toothache, your head hurts, your mouth hurts, your arms hurt, your fingers hurt, your toes hurt, your legs hurt, your knees hurt, your bum hurts. I mean, you just hurt everywhere because of that one little tooth. Uh, and so, and it's because our body is, and the parts of it are interconnected. So he uses that. Drop down with me to verse 27. Um, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Are are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Verse 30 says, Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Verse 31 says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I shall show you a more excellent way. So Paul reminds us about, uh, I think, three one things here uh, in these verses. And the first one is he reminds us there is one Christ. We are saved the same way. There's not some that are saved by works. There are not some that are saved by, you know, belonging to a church. We are saved by the same person, Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus certainly was mighty exclusive. And yet his offer of salvation applies to everybody. Absolutely anyone that would receive Christ's gift, God would save. Anyone, including me and you. But so he, he remind, Paul reminds the church at Corinth that they were saved. He said, listen, this is how he says it. He says, you know what? Some of you were Gentiles. And some of you did, you were carried away by dumb idols. And dumb, when the Bible uses that word, doesn't, it's not talking intellectual dumbness. Uh, what it's talking about is somebody that couldn't speak, somebody that couldn't move. Uh, in other words, you were worshiping idols that couldn't do anything. Much like uh, those um, Shinto gods that are up on the shelf of the Japanese people or uh, you know, that we've heard some of our missionaries tell us about that would leave, you know, little f- pieces of fruit and different things uh, for these gods. Those statues never ate any of that fruit. And when they stand before them, that, that statue doesn't hear them. 
And so Paul reminds them, though, that, you know, they used him now, you know, to us who are saved. That, those kind of things just sound kind of silly. But Paul makes the point, listen, some of you used to be led away by some silly stuff, too. Some stuff that wasn't very smart. And you gave power in your life to things that you shouldn't have given power to. Uh, and so he says, but, listen, nobody that has a spirit can call Jesus cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord unless the spirit of God lives inside of them. In other words, it's those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that recognize him as Lord and Savior. People in this world recognize him maybe as a good teacher or a moral person, but they don't know him as Savior. And knowing him as Savior is what makes the difference. Uh, it's, um, you know, this time of year we're coming up on Easter. Uh, and we're just about to the season of Lent that starts this next week. And uh, the 40 days before Easter is a time of preparation and on. Uh, all kinds of different TV channels. CNN, I saw, even had a, a special about uh, Jesus. And the History Channel always has some uh, folks on. There'll be all kinds of, of shows uh, dealing with Jesus. Unfortunately, most of them greatly missed the mark. There are people who are very smart, have all kinds of intellect, and it's so sad that they're maybe too smart for their own good. Because they've convinced themselves that unless you can feel it or test it, it can't exist. Well, we know there's plenty of things in this world that mankind cannot explain. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, does it? It just means we can't explain it yet. And so Paul reminds us that, hey, listen, there's one Jesus Christ. And we all serve the same Master and Lord. There's not a different Jesus for blacks and whites and Chinese and Mexicans. There's not a, a different uh, God for Catholics and Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists. There's one Christ. There's one God and one Jesus Christ. There's not a plethora. There's one God who's in in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But even that Trinity is one. And boy, that um, you know, gives us a headache if we think about that long enough. And so we need to, Paul makes the point that, listen, we all are saved by one person. And so since you were saved by the same person, that means that you all needed to be saved. That's, I think, the point Paul's making is, listen, you thought, some of you thought you had it all together. But the truth of the matter is you didn't have it all together, that you were just as lost as anybody else was. And God saves. And so then I think he also reminds us, secondly, not only is there one Christ, but he reminds us that there's one church. Though there are many different churches with little C's, if you will, uh, in our community, um, there is one church of God. There's one people of God. And we are all part of the family of God. If you are saved, 
by grace through faith, whether you go to a Catholic church or a... And I do think there's some Catholics that are uh, Christians. I think they're probably Christians in spite of the church in spite of what they're taught in their church rather than because of it. Um, we certainly have some disagreements with some of their doctrine, but those that really are saved and have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we can have some disagreement. We don't have to have everything figured out because the same Jesus that saved me saved them. And so we had, and some of you know, I have a friend that I went to high school and middle school with back home in South Dakota. That's a Catholic priest. We're friends on Facebook. I've had he, we've shared meals together. Um, he'll sometimes message me on Facebook. Would you pray about something? And I'll, and I do the same thing. Um, he knows Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and therefore as a brother. In Christ, do I think he has interpreted Scripture incorrectly on some things? Absolutely, I do. But he thinks the same thing about me. But though we have some disagreements as we read Scripture, we can find that hey, there's one Christ, and I'm saved by the same blood of Jesus that anybody else is saved by. And so he says, listen, there are, are different offices in the church. And he mentions some of them. And he mentions some of the gifts of the church. By the way, this list is not an all-inclusive list. This is one of the longest lists that Paul uh, gives in the New Testament, but it's not an inclusive list. And she says, so listen, there's, there's one church. There's one body of Christ, but within that body, there's all kinds of different parts. There's people that have different gifts. You imagine if all of your body was in a big eye. Why, you'd have a big problem. You could see stuff, but you couldn't do nothing about it. Or if your entire body was a thumb. Your thumb's an important thing. Just try to go without it, uh, you know, for a few days. Uh, because you sprained it or, or done something to it, you'll find that you use that thumb for a lot of different things. But you would not want your whole body to be a thumb. In fact, it wouldn't work that way. It wouldn't do what it's supposed to if your whole body was a thumb. And so Paul makes the point that, hey, listen, there are different offices and he does mention some offices of pastor and apostle and, and so on, teacher, uh, and then mentions some uh, of the spiritual gifts and the callings that God has given uh, to men and women to equip the church. But notice what he says about these gifts. Notice he says they're not given for your benefit. They're for the benefit of the church. For others, for the, you know, because we know that just like a, a cake, if a cake had all just one ingredient, it wouldn't be very good. If you just took some flour, put it in an oven, and then tried to eat it, it wouldn't taste good. But when you take that flour and you put it with some eggs and some sugar and some, you know, some oil and different things like that, and you mix it all up, Put it in the oven and bake it. 
turns out pretty good, doesn't it? Well, Paul says that the spiritual gifts are like that, that there's a lot of moving parts. But the church has one Lord, that's Jesus Christ, and it's part of one body. Both Jews and Greeks, he says, slaves and free, are made one, made to drink into one spirit in verse 13. So he says, listen, we are a lot of people. But in Christ, we're one. And so, by the way, it's kind of, if we remember and apply this to what we've been talking about last week on Wednesday night, when one Christian suffers, we all suffer. When a ISIL soldier beheads a 14-year-old Christian boy because he's a Christian. It ought to affect all of us because that Christian in the Middle East is a part of our family in Christ. And persecuted believers all around the world imprisoned for their faith or beaten for their faith or arrested for their faith, that ought to concern us, by the way. It ought to drive us to seek the Lord on their behalf. It ought to drive us to work on their behalf. We ought to speak up for them. We talked about Wednesday night speaking up for those that can't speak for themselves. And so Paul says we are part of one another. There's an old uh, chorus that Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote about being a part of the family of God. And part of that song said, you know, when one has a heartache, we all bear the load. And we rejoice in each victory because we are a part of the family of God. And so we need to understand that there is really one church. Though we have our own little building, uh, and there's other, there's five other Free Will Baptist churches in our area, but there's also Southern Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians, and uh, you know that are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now we may have come to some different conclusions about some things theologically that does not change the fact that we are one. In Christ. And so when one church goes through turmoil, it ought to bother us. It ought to, you know, it, it hurts us too. Because that's part of our body. Even though they may be a distant part. We don't even, maybe even know some of them. Uh, but we hurt because they hurt. And so we can stand together with brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't have to agree on every little thing. Uh, to, you know, and so now we have to be careful about, you know, the degree of fellowship that we have sometimes. And, uh, but we can certainly, and there are churches uh, that believe they're the only ones going to be in heaven. They're going to have a, a rude awakening when they get there. They're going to say, wait, he's Baptist. What's he doing here? That's a, that's a Methodist. What are they doing here? They don't belong here. 
But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved and you're part of his body. You're part of the one church. But then he says, not only is there one Christ and one church, but lastly, he says, there's one course. In other words, we're all supposed to be working for the same thing. Notice we see, he says the Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills. Not as we will, but as he wills, as God wills. As he wants to give this gift to this person and this gift to this person, he does. But every single gift is given for one purpose, and that is to build up the body of Christ and to help make much of God that all of the world would be drawn to God. We know that the Bible says there'll come a day when every knee will bow, when every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And folks, I'll tell you that I believe that day is coming uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Preachers have been preaching. You know, even the Apostle Paul said, he wrote in, you know, uh, the first century church thought that, and there are people saying, listen, the rapture's already happened. Y'all have been left behind. And Paul wrote, that's the reason he wrote First and Second Thessalonians, was to correct some of those uh, end-time uh, mistakes that had been going around. But Paul says here in chapter 12, listen, God has given different spiritual gifts. So there's diversity within the body. But yet, because of that diversity, We need to remember that we're one body. That there's only one purpose. There can only be one thing that we are to be about. So it doesn't matter whether we have the gift of miracles or we're called to uh, an apostle or prophet or a teacher or, uh, you know, a, a speaker of tongues or an interpreter of tongues. That... All of the gifts and all of the uh, the heartbeat of the church should be to make much of the Lord. And spiritual gifts are not for us. They're for the body of Christ, for its uplifting and for its edification. And so he says, listen, there's diversity within this unity. And so then he closes this chapter, and verse 13 is really a continuation uh, of his thought that he begins in chapter 12. He says in verse 31, earnestly desire the best gifts. And it turns out that the best gift he's going to tell us aren't any of these things that he's listed. These signs are upfront gifts that Paul has mentioned, like an apostle or pastor or teacher or healer or uh, speaker of touch. All of those things are, are not, shall we think, but they're um, what some people might consider better gifts. The, the things that seem to be maybe more important. But Paul makes the point that there's no gift, spiritual gift, that's any more important than any other spiritual gift. All are necessary, uh, and all are for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. But as kind of a preview for next week, we're going to see that Paul says the greatest gift that you can have is not one of these spiritual gifts at all. 
But the greatest gift, the one that you ought to be seeking after, is the gift of love. And that's the greatest and the most important thing. And so that's what we'll spend our time next Sunday night talking about. So now I've whet your appetite, so come back, bring somebody with you next Sunday uh, night. Let's stand together uh, and we'll be dismissed uh, in prayer. Do remember Martha?